This is Tina Douglas, and you're listening to the Liam Photography Podcast with your host, my husband, Liam Douglas. Enjoy! Greetings, everybody. You're listening to the Liam Photography Podcast. I'm your host, Liam Douglas, and this is episode 259. So today is the start of switching things up a little bit for the Sunday News and Rumors episodes. I thought I'd start mixing it up a little bit more and hopefully get a little more uh, listener activity on the Sunday episodes. So starting today, I'm not only going to take a couple of articles from each of the four rumor sites, but I'm also going to get four regular mainstream photography news articles. Now, for today's episode, the four articles I found, I found all of them on Petapixel, which is a fantastic site that I've and I've read their news and articles and, and how to's and tips and all that for many, many years. And hopefully my friend Sharky James won't get too pissed at me for getting all of my news stories from their site this week, but they had some fantastic ones, as you will see. So first up, NASA shares the five cosmic targets of the James Webb's first photographs. NASA has revealed the cosmic objects that will be shown when it releases the first full-color photos captured by the James Webb Space Telescope on July 12th. The space agency says that the five targets listed below represent the first wave of full-color scientific images and spectra that the James Webb Space Telescope has gathered and will mark the official beginning of the observatory's general science operations. Quote, the James Webb Space Telescope is the world's premier space science observatory. Webb will solve mysteries in our solar system, look beyond the distant worlds around other stars, and probe the mysterious structures and origins of our universe and our place in it. That is a quote from NASA. The targets were chosen by an international committee of representatives from NASA, the European Space Agency, the Canadian Space Agency, and the Space Telescope Science Institute. First up is the Carina Nebula, NASA says the Carina Nebula is one of the largest and brightest nebula that is visible in the night sky. It is located about 7,600 light years away in the southern constellation of Carina. The Carina Nebula is home to many massive stars several times larger than our sun. The photo above was captured by Hubble in 2010 and depicts what is known as the Mystic Mountain a three-light-year-tall cosmic pinnacle within the Carina Nebula that is made up primarily of dust and gas and exhibits signs of intense star-forming activity. The colors in this composite image correspond to the glow of oxygen blue, hydrogen and nitrogen green, and sulfur red. Number 2. WASP-96b WASP-96b is a giant planet outside Earth's solar system that NASA says is composed mainly of gas. The planet, located nearly 1,150 light-years away, orbits its star every 3.4 days. It has about half the mass of Jupiter and, was discovered, uh, and its discovery was announced in 2014. 
WASP-96b is not visible from the Earth. 3. Southern Ring Nebula The Southern Ring Nebula, also known as the Eight Burst Nebula, is what is known as a planetary nebula, an expanding cloud of gas surrounding a dying star. It is nearly half a light year in diameter and located about 2,000 light years from the Earth. It appears in what NASA describes as a figure eight shape when seen through telescopes and can be seen from Earth's southern hemisphere. The photo above was captured by Hubble in 2008. 4. Stevens Quintet Stevens Quintet, also known as Hickson's Compact Group 92, is the first compact galaxy map ever discovered in 1787 and is located in the constellation Pegasus. It exists about 290 million light-years away, and four of the five galaxies within the quintet are what NASA describes as locked in a cosmic dance of repeated close encounters. The quintet name is a bit of a misnomer, as studies have shown that one of the members of the group, NGC 7320, which can be seen in the upper left, is actually a foreground galaxy about seven times closer to Earth than the rest of the group. The photo above, portrait of Stevens Quintet, was taken by Hubble's Wide Field Camera 3 in 2009. And number 5, SMAX 0723. NASA describes this celestial target as a group of massive foreground galaxies that magnify and distort the light of objects around them, also known as gravitational lensing which allows telescopes to get an even deeper field view of the extremely distant and therefore faint galaxy populations. It's not clear if Webb will be photographing this cluster or if it will be using it to see even farther away. The images released from the James Webb Space Telescope on July 12th will feature one photo that is the deepest view of the universe ever taken. Quote, Webb is nothing short of a real scientific feat. One of those images to be released on July 12th is the deepest image of our universe that has ever been taken, says NASA Administrator Bill Nelson. Quote, if you think about that, this is further than humanity has ever looked before and we are only beginning to understand what Webb can and will do. Webb's first images of the objects above will be released during a live broadcast on July 12th at 10.40 a.m. Eastern Daylight Time. So this is absolutely some exciting news, not just for those of us that are into photography, but for anybody that's into astronomy as well. The Hubble Space Telescope has served us well for a long time now, and it's great to see that its replacement, the even more powerful James Webb Space Telescope, is bringing us its first color images. I honestly believe that this is an extremely exciting time and gives us much more of a look at our universe and our galaxy than we as humans have ever had before. And I personally feel that that is extremely, extremely exciting. Next up, photographer builds camera that shows inside of a centrifuge in action. The world's first 4K camera built into a centrifuge shows what foods and other substances look like as they are separated at 2,500 times the gravity of Earth. 
Morris Mikers, a former lab technician and professional photographer, wanted to film foods such as peanut butter, hot sauce, and honey as they are separated in a centrifuge in a bid to show the wider world what this scientific process looks like. Mikers, though, had a problem. There aren't any centrifuges with built-in high-definition cameras. So the intrepid scientists utilized 3D printing to custom-make parts for a headache Rotofix 32 that he had purchased. Mikers used his Ultimaker 3D printer with PLA filament to make his designs with. And this is pretty exciting. I'm really big into 3D printing myself. The results are a fascinating and unique view as we see the food separated into different layers, each with its own densities. The parts for Micro's custom centrifuge had to be gradually tested, making initial runs of 500 RPM and then 1,000 RPM. This process took Micro's many months as designs were tweaked to solve tensile stress and compression that were affecting the 3D print because of the high G forces. Quote, also, many ergonomic design changes had to be made, so loading of the swing buckets, inserts, camera modules, samples, etc., would be easy and consistent, writes Mikers. Quote, besides that, technical design changes had to be made to accommodate the camera and other electronics. Eventually, Mikers landed on a design he calls the centrifuge camera, which can spin and record samples as they rotate at 2,500 G-force. To make the camera and sample bucket, Mikers combined the 5-millimeter thin aluminum bucket holder with his own 3D printed bucket. The amalgamation means the bucket holds together and doesn't succumb to the tensile stresses. So that the camera could actually see the sample, Mikers placed a NeoPixel LED light ring in the top lid of the centrifuge to deliver power to the camera. Mikers fitted two 18650 lithium ion batteries that provide 3,500 milliamp hours at 5 volts, which gives the battery a life of 4 to 5 hours. Mikers, based in The Hague, Netherlands, says his goal is to generate interesting content that can be used for educational purposes. The power of a centrifuge was harnessed in May when small payloads were being launched into orbit at 1,000 miles per hour while filming itself. So this is definitely a really cool story, and it goes to show you just what you can accomplish with a scientific mind, an active imagination, and a good 3D printer. And sure, it required a lot of trial and error, but hey, a lot of new discoveries require a lot of trial and error before they come into fruition. And I must commend Mikers for pulling this off. There are videos from YouTube in the show notes uh, in this article in the show notes that you can check out for yourself. Now, I have not had a chance to watch them all yet, but I am definitely planning to, and I can just imagine some of the interesting things that he's captured with his centrifuge camera. Next up, 2021 was Leica's best financial year ever. Leica has announced that 2021-2022 was its best financial year in its more than 100-year history. It increased revenue by 16% to 450 million euros. The financial year was between April 1, 2021 and March 31, 2022, which resulted in the best business result in the company's history of more than 100 years. 
Like a CEO, Mathis Harsh says that in addition to these numbers, sales of cameras and sports optics were also up and allowed the company to accelerate international growth despite the COVID-19 pandemic and its effect on supply chains and retail stores. Quote, we are convinced that our products made in Germany fulfill the strongly growing consumer demand for high quality sustainable brands and that our product categories will generate increasing enthusiasm for the world of Leica photography in younger target groups, Harsh says. The company says that a significant factor in its growth was the expansion of its global sales and retail network as well as the online business sector. Quote, with the realignment of business U.S. business activities and the founding of a regional organization in the Middle East and Scandinavia, the company further consolidated its activities in strategically important premium markets, Leica reports. Quote, as a result of this, Leica now operates almost 100 mono-brand stores around the world. Leica's business strategy plan has emboldened it to push more into what it calls future-oriented fields of technology, namely image processing, image quality tuning, and computational imaging. While this might sound like general photo editing software, what it likely points to is continued development in the smartphone sector. The company says that the goal of its technology partnership with Xiaomi, which it sees as a success, is to push the quality and performance standards of what is expected in a smartphone. Leica often uses its well-regarded name as a way to leverage licensing sales, but it seems as though the company wants to do more than just slap its name on smartphones. The company indicates it plans to invest in actual software development in a way that will both that will both lean on the history of its name, but also stand out as actually benefiting modern digital photography. Expect Leica to invest heavily in more ways to leverage both its branding and its computational photography expertise in the coming years. Well, I congratulate Leica on this exciting news that 2021 was their best financial year that the company has ever had. Congratulations, Leica. And I do see them getting into more areas of the photography and smartphone business, which is only a wise thing to do. You've got to expand your portfolio of offerings. You got to innovate if you want to stay in business. Now, of course, the big thing with Leica is they do absolutely make quality cameras and quality lenses and optics. There's no disputing that. But there's an old saying in the photography world. Only doctors and lawyers can afford a Leica. And if you didn't already hear, they recently announced that they're releasing an all-titanium camera with a titanium lens. They're only making 250 of them, but they sell for $20,000 a piece. And that's for a 35-millimeter full-frame digital camera. That's a lot of money. Your average person can't afford to spend 20 grand on a camera body and one lens. But as long as they're remaining profitable, you can't knock that. Congratulations, Leica. My hat's off to you. Pro dancer goes from career-ending injury to master photographer. Retired professional dancer Rachel Neville did not let her career-ending injury slow her down and founded a successful photography business by using her industry experience and teaching skills to create dynamic and powerful shots of dancers from on a stage to behind the lens. 
Rachel Neville founded her Rachel Neville Studios in 2014 after she retired from her dancing career. With a degree in photography, she built up her shooting experience before setting up her own studio and pursuing full-time dance photography as her niche. Today, she runs her New York-based studio with the help of Andrew Fassbender, who also trained and danced professionally. Over a decade ago, Neville took his audition photos before he went full circle and retired from dancing and joined her studio as a studio director and second shooter. The studio's mission is, quote, to make a positive and lasting impact on the well-being and, and sustainability of the dance world, Fassbender tells Petapixel. Quote, we do this through high-value, empowering, confidence-building media creation. We help dancers get jobs and companies sell tickets. In the modern digital age, attention-grabbing photos are essential as they show a dancer's technique in great detail. Photos like these can help stand out during audition submissions when dancers have seconds to grab the director's attention. For dancers, their social media, in a way, is their portfolio and their digital marketing presence can make such a strong impact on the viability of their career's trajectory, Fassbender explains. Dancer's artistic expression in front of a lens. The studio offers two types of shoots, audition and creative. While the audition shots are an investment in a dancer's portfolio, the creative shots allow both the dancer and the photographer to shine on a different level as they combine artistic ideas with striking poses and movements. The process for a creative shot starts with a detailed questionnaire that are used to learn more about each dancer's ideas. Some come with a fully fleshed out mood board, while others put their full trust into both photog photographers' vision. For example, the studio is known for its work with fabric and colored backgrounds, so some dancers may also lean towards incorporating those elements in their creative shoots. Neville and Fassbender, Fassbender's vast ex dance experience has helped them understand both sides of the camera well. Before any artistic expression comes into the photo, the top priority during shoots is the dancer's safety. Quote, a dancer's body is their instrument, and they cannot afford to get injured during a photo shoot. It could totally sideline their career, Fassbender explains. Be cognizant of the surface you're working on, ensuring the dancer isn't, for example, doing repeated jumps on a cement floor. Regarding creative compositions and picking out the right settings, Fassbender recommends that photographers familiarize themselves with the timing of movements or poses they want to shoot. Learning how they flow will help understand when to press the shutter. Quote, some movements are very fast and some happen slower, he says. I would recommend shooting on a single shot and not burst so that you have full control of the exact timing of the shot. You could also ask your dancer to come prepared with a mood board of poses that they are interested in doing to help you get started in the flow of the shoot. More of the studio's work can be found on its website and Instagram, which you can find in this article in the show notes. And I must say, in this story, there are some stunning images that they have created with professional dancers. Lots of color, lots of unique poses and movement. It's just fantastic. And I think that is absolutely 
fabulous that Neville turned her dance injury into a new life as a master photographer. My hat's off to you, and may you and Mr. Fosbender continue to have much success. All right, I'm going to take a short break right here, and then I'll be right back. We hope you're enjoying this edition of the Liam Photography Podcast. The best way to support the show is to subscribe in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or anywhere else that you get your podcasts. If you want to leave comments or suggestions for future episodes, you can call or text the show at area code 470-294-8191, and you can email the show at liam at liamphotographypodcast.com. You can find the show notes and links at liamphotographypodcast.com, and you can tweet the show at liamphotoatl using the hashtag liamphotopodcast. And now, back to the show. And we're back. So now I'm going to continue with four articles, uh, two articles each from the four major rumor sites, Canon Rumors, Nikon Rumors, Fuji Rumors, and Sony Alpha Rumors. I'm going to cover these stories and then give you my thoughts briefly, and then we will wrap up this new format episode and see what the listeners think. Venus Optics announces the Laowa RF 12-24 f5.6 zoom lens. July 7th, 2022, Venus Optics, the camera lens manufacturer that has been endeavoring to invent high-quality lenses at an affordable price, is thrilled to release an ultra-compact zoom lens for full-frame cameras. The Laowa 12-24mm f5.6 zoom. This tiny lens offers an AOV from an ultra-wide 121.9 degrees to an easier-to-control 84 degrees with a fixed aperture. The 5.9-inch or 15-centimeter closest focusing distance allows users to explore more creative shots or even macro-like photos. Lowe's classical five-bladed aperture design for stunning 10-point sun stars also packed in this lens. A 77mm filter thread can be used directly with the adapter ring come along with the lens. The competitive price of $649 or uh, let's see, $699 for the M mount and the tiny size, this lens would be perfect for travel and landscape photography. Canon RF, Sony E, Nikon Z, and Leica M are available mounts for this lens. Wide-angle zoom in a compact body with an 84-degree to 121.9-degree zoom range, the lens offers greater flexibility for two photographers in framing. Users could adjust the focal length easily with the twist. The lens is relatively compact and light in its class. It is measured to be 29.4 by 84 millimeters with a lightweight 497 grams or 1.09 pounds. A great option for photographers who want to pack lightweight. With the constant f5.6 aperture, the lens does not change when adjusting the focal length. Photographers would have greater control over their photos. The lens has one of the shortest close focusing distances in the 12 to 24 millimeter market. It can focus only 5.9 inches or 15 centimeters away from the sensor, giving photographers more room for creative shots, such as macro type shots. Despite it's not one of the members of the Laowa 0D class, the lens still demonstrates an extreme well-controlled performance in minimizing distortion. 
Still extremely useful for architectural and interior shots when you want the flexibility of a zoom lens at the same time. Like many other Lowa wide-angle lenses, this 12-24 is designed with a 5-bladed aperture which could render appealing 10-point sun stars when slightly stepping down the aperture. With the 77mm filter thread with the adapter ring that come with the lens, the ring can also act as a lens hood and protect your images from flaring. The lens had coated with water and dust repelling, quote, frog eye coating or FEC, it gives your lens an extra layer of protection compared to traditional coatings. For the specifications, format compatibility is full frame, focal length 12 to 24 millimeters, maximum aperture of f5.6, angle of view 84 degrees to 121.9 degrees, with 15 elements in 11 groups, two spherical elements and three ED elements. Aperture blades 5, minimum focusing distance 15 centimeters, maximum magnification 0.4. Focus mode is manual only, filter thread 77 millimeters. Dimensions are 69.4 millimeters by 91.6 for the R mount, 69.4 by 84 millimeters for the N mount, 69.4 by 93.6 millimeters for the E mount, and 69.4 by 95.6 for the Z mount. Weight is 497 grams with no hood or front and rear lens caps. Mounts available like M, Sony E, Nikon Z, and Canon RF. Pricing and availability, the 12-24mm f5.6 zoom is currently available to purchase via Laowa, uh, Venus Optics official website at venuslens.net and authorized resellers. It is priced at $649 for the Canon RF, Sony E, and Nikon Z, while $699 for the Leica M. Price varies in other countries. And there are some stunning sample images in this article, which you can find in the show notes. And I say good for Lawa. I am glad to see yet another lens maker making a 12 to 24 millimeter lens. Now, you've had those type of lenses from Sigma as well as from Canon and Nikon and Sony over the years. And it's good to see that another lens maker is getting in on that focal length range. It's a great idea. And f5.6 is great for this type of lens because if you think about it, this lens is made for landscapes, architecture, stuff like that. You don't need a super wide aperture for those kinds of shots because generally you want everything in your image in sharp focus. So you're going to be shooting the lens generally at something like f8, which is what I do for my real estate work. So good for them, and congratulations, Laowa or Venus Optics, on this new lens. I think it's going to be a hit. The Canon EOS R1 may not come until the second half of 2023. We have been told not to expect the Canon EOS R1 anytime soon, as a retailer was told not to expect it until the second half of 2023. With Canon and other manufacturers still suffering from inventory shortages, this shouldn't come as much of a surprise. We also believe Canon wants to round out the lens lineup further before releasing the EOS R1. The R1 will probably be the camera body that moves EOS 1DX series professionals to mirrorless full-time. Some will have already moved to the Canon EOS R3, but since that camera body has been difficult to acquire, a lot of news agencies haven't purchased Canon mirrorless cameras yet. 
it probably makes better financial sense to address the EOS RP and EOS R replacements first, as well as rounding out the L and non-L lens lineup. And there will be more to come on this story. This is a CR2 rumor from Canon Rumors. And I am not at all surprised by this. The fact that the R1 may get pushed back to the second half of 2023 is entirely probable, given that there are still supply chain shortages going on all over the world. And I do agree that Canon can probably better utilize their time between now and then, finishing the round out of their RF mount lenses and coming up with replacements for the EOS RP and the EOS R. Now, will they do a second generation of those two cameras? I highly doubt it. I'm fairly certain, as I've said many times before, the R and the RP were one-off cameras for Canon to make the bridge from DSLR to full-frame mirrorless. But it will be interesting to see what they do come up with as replacements for those two fantastic bodies. Nikon announced the start of construction of their new headquarters in Tokyo. Nikon announced the start of construction of their new head office in Tokyo. Completion is expected in May of 2024. Here is the full press release with some additional information. Uh, let's see here. The announcement regarding construction of a new head office with funding from Green Loan. Nikon Corporation is pleased to announce the start of construction of a new head office with funding from Green Loan for part of the expenses required. Construction will commence in July of 2022 with completion expected in May of 2024. As previously announced on November 4th, 2021, Nikon has been planning construction of a new head office on vacant land within the premises of Y plant in... Uh, Singawuku, Tokyo, and I apologize if I butchered that, and I probably did. It aims to create an office place that promotes digitalization and work, a workplace that supports flexible work styles. It is also planned to be an environmentally friendly office building that is rooted in the local community with an emphasis on sustainability. Specifically, the building is designed with solar shielding exterior facade system to reduce the energy required for air conditioning as well as being a structure that promotes natural ventilation and allows plentiful daylight to the interior. In addition, it will be equipped with a VAV or variable air volume system that responds to the office utilization rate. The combination of these systems significantly reduces the amount of energy that the building uses and the new head office is expected to be certified with ZEB ready and acquire the highest five-star rank of BELS. The building is also planned to generate renewable energy through solar power generation system. A part of the construction cost of the new head office is funded from the syndicated term loan of green loan that is limited to projects in which environmental efficiency is considered. The loan was rated at the highest green one G1M1 by Japan Credit Rating Agency LTD. This shows that the construction of the new head office was evaluated as a project in which adequate environmental improvements can be expected and careful consideration is given to avoiding potentially negative effects regarding environmental and social aspects. The planned construction site, OI Plant, is a place where Nikon has had its base for over 100 years and has produced various products and services. With its new head office, Nikon will continuously contribute to a better, sustainable world. 
So it's definitely some interesting news, and it looks like Nikon is following a similar route that Apple did when they built their new Spaceship One corporate offices in Cupertino, California. Apple was looking to build a new facility that would be more of a green facility, renewable energy, using solar power and other types of alternative energy sources, and a unique design as well. And it's good to see that more companies are doing this because we really need to get away from fossil fuels as much as we can. Officially announced Viltrox NFZ autofocus lens adapter, Nikkor F-mount lens to Nikon Z-mount camera. The previously reported new Viltrox NFZ autofocus lens adapter is now officially announced and available for pre-order at the official Viltrox online store. They do ship internationally, as well as B&H Photo. The price of the Viltrox NFZ is $179. For comparison, the original Nikon FTZ2 adapter is $249. Some additional information. Quote, the Viltrox NFZ autofocus mount adapter allows F-mount lenses to pair with Nikon Z-series camera models. It features full electronic communication between the lens and the camera, supporting lens VR stabilization, IAF, or face detection autofocusing, as well as EXIF information transmission. Now, one thing I will throw in is a while back, Viltrox reached out to me, if you remember, and they asked me to test their adapter for Nikon EF to R mount. And I was blown away by their adapter, how capable it was, and at a fraction of the cost of the Canon standard RF to EF adapter. I was blown away by it, and so were many of the people that watched my video and read my review on Amazon Marketplace. And it looks like Viltrox might have another home run on their hands here that's going to save their customers a good deal of money versus the cost of the FTZ2 adapter. So, hey, that's a win-win for everybody. Fujifilm X-T3 discontinued but resisted two-plus years after it was replaced by the Fujifilm X-T4. Back in September of 2021, Fujifilm quietly introduced the Fujifilm X-T3 WW. The Fujifilm X-T3 worldwide version is an X-T3 sold without a battery charger. It was the best deal on an X-T3 you can get, but now it's starting to run out of stock forever. As for example, B&H Photo has marked it as discontinued. The X-T3 was a massive hit for Fujifilm, and even though it has been replaced by the Fujifilm X-T4 in February of 2020, it was able to stay on the market up until now. It's actually incredible how long it could resist and keep up selling on the market despite the X-T4 with IBIS being launched two plus years ago. However, now it's time also for the Fujifilm X-T3 to retire. The Fujifilm X-T4 will keep the sales for the X-T series going at least until we get the Fujifilm X-T5. You can still find X-T3 WWs at B&H Photo, Amazon US, and Adorama, the X-T3 WW with the XF18-55 at all three of the same retailers. Now, one thing I would like to add to this, if you didn't already know, one of the reasons why the Fujifilm X-T3 was able to stay on the market for so long after being replaced by the X-T4 was because Fuji released a firmware update 
that gave the X-T3 all of the same capabilities of the X-T4, except IBIS, of course. Both camera bodies had the same sensor, the same image processor, and with the firmware update, the X-T3's autofocus was every bit as good as it was in the X-T4. But all good things must come to an end, and now it looks like it's time for the X-T3 to vanish into the annals of photographic history. Fujifilm X-H2 getting 8K and 40 megapixels for just $19.99 is a crazy good price indeed. A price comparison with the Canon R5. I just shared the price for the 40 megapixel Fujifilm X-H2, which will be $19.99. Now, this is from Patrick from Fuji Rumors. I called this a crazy good price in my original article, but given that there was some skepticism on my definition, I think I need to give you a bit more context on why I consider the 40 megapixel Fujifilm X-H2 very gently priced. And in order to do so, we have to look at other high-resolution, non-stacked, 8K-capable full-frame cameras. So let's talk about it and compare it to how much you pay to get other 8K mirrorless cameras on the market today. The Canon EOS R5 is 45 megapixels with 8K and priced at $3,900. The X-H2 is 40 megapixels with 8K and priced at $1,999. So you're saving almost $2,000 Sure, there are also other 8K mirrorless cameras out there, the 50 megapixel Sony A1 for $6,500 and the 45 megapixel Nikon Z9 for $5,500. But those are also stacked, so they obviously cost more and they'd make the comparison very unfair. So at the moment, the only camera it makes sense to compare the Fujifilm X-H2 with is the Canon R5. And as you can see, going for a high-resolution 8K-capable APS-C body, the X-H2 will cost you about half the price going with the cheapest high-resolution 8K mirrorless full-frame camera out there, which is the R5. Plus, we can also expect better heat management from the Fujifilm X-H2 due to the APS-C sensor generating overall less heat than a full-frame sensor. And we can see already on the 6.2K Fujifilm X-H2S how incredibly well their cameras handle heat. And I think this is absolutely mind-blowing. I am really shocked because I didn't think the Fujifilm was going to sell the X-H2 40 megapixel model that cheap. I thought maybe it would be 25, 2600 similar to the X-H2S because of the fact that it had a higher megapixel sensor and the fact that it had 8K video. But Fuji, you have blown us all away yet again. Congratulations. Sony patented a four quote oblique pixel array system, high dynamic range sensor. Sony patented a new kind of sensor having four different pixels, red, blue, green, and the new clean or white pixel. The pixels are ordered in an oblique array system. This allows Sony to reach 20% higher transmittance, which means you will get a higher dynamic range and a higher ISO performance. Of course, the downside is you will need many more pixels on the sensor. It is unclear yet where Sony plans to use this new tech, so I guess we'll have to wait and see. And I think it's great that Sony has patented this new 
for oblique pixel array system. I think it could be some exciting news for the photography world in the very near future. And we'll have to sit back and see exactly where they take it. And last up for this week, Spin just cashed in over 100K with this fully adhesive wrap for your camera gear. The well-known German company Spin collected over 100,000 with this rather unique adhesive wrap on Kickstarter. This means it's fully funded and will make it into production. And there are some accompanying videos in this article, which you can find in the show notes. In orthopedics, similar materials have been around for a long time. Spin has translated this principle together with a well-reputed manufacturer into a soft, firm, and protective material. If you like it, pre-order it on Kickstarter now. Now, just a word of caution, as I've said many times before, Kickstarter is not an online store. You are risking your money by backing projects on there. However, the majority of them do actually make it to market. And this looks like it's going to be a fantastic product for photographers to have. And I probably won't buy a, a pony up on Kickstarter, but once it does release to the general public, I'll definitely be picking up some of this stuff to protect my camera gear. That's a no-brainer. Remember to check out the Land Photography Podcast Facebook group. It is a private group, and you must answer a security question to join, which is the name of the host of the show, myself, Liam. And I've also opened it up to allow you to give the name of a previous guest on the show to show that you are a listener. Once you are in the group, you are free to post your own original work. I'm also the admin of the Fujifilm GFX 50R group, which is the largest group for the 50R on Facebook. If you own or plan to own the 50R, you can request to join that group, but you do have to answer two security questions to join that group. You can find my work at liamphotography.net and follow me on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at liamphotoatl. If you like abandoned buildings and history, you can find my projects at forgottenpiecesofgeorgia.com and forgottenpiecesofpennsylvania.com. All right, that's going to wrap up episode 259 of the Liam Photography Podcast. I want to thank all of my listeners once again for subscribing, rating, and reviewing in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and anywhere else you might be getting your podcast. Also wanted to remind you to stop by the Liam Photography YouTube channel, subscribe to the channel, watch the videos, like them, comment on them, share them out on social media and elsewhere, and hit the little bell icon so you can be notified as new content drops. And I will see you all again on Thursday.